Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Equity can appreciate very, very quickly, but you should never buy just on the equity potential. You should be buying, especially if it's investment, you must cash flow positive. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Door Devil. You know, you know what? I need to mention Door Devil. I need to mention Door Devil to you. It's not just a want, it's a need because you need this. Door Devil, quite simply, defends your home against kick-in burglary attacks. They happen frequently. There are 1.4 million homes that are broken into every year, and a lot of them are done through kick-ins. If you've got a home security system, then props to you. I'm glad you've got that, and that's important. But it doesn't prevent the bad people from kicking in your door, whether it's your front door, your back door, your side door. You need something like the Door Devil, and Door Devil is the best in the business when it comes to providing proof that it works. You can go to doordevil.com and even watch a video with Terry Bradshaw talking about it, and you can see how it works. It's a very simple product to install, but if you're not into that, then you can just hire a handy person and they can they can install it for you. Very simple. Put it inside the door frame of your front door, your back door, every door you have, and you can defend your home against the kick-in burglary attacks. It's needed. In addition, this is my brother's company, so it's near and dear to my heart. And because it's my brother's company, I'm able to offer you an exclusive discount because he was so kind to do so. You can go when you check out your uh, purchase at doordevil.com and there's going to be a little field. You enter the word best ever, no space, just one word, best, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R, and you'll get a 20% discount on your purchase. So go to doordevil.com, go buy it, enter best ever, and secure your home against kick-in burglary attacks. There are so many testimonials on the website. You can read them from police officers, from a woman who is being, uh, her house is being attacked from an enraged ex-husband, and the door devil defended that attack. Uh, he didn't get in. There's like oh, 20 different testimonials from police officers on the door devil. Go buy it. Defend your home against burglary kick-in attacks. Go to doordevil.com and enter the word best ever whenever you check out and you'll get 20% off on your purchase. Best ever listeners. Hello. How you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. 
With us today, we've got Dave Feldberg. Hello, Dave. Hello. Nice to meet you. And boy, looking forward to learning more about you and your background because you have a lot of experience, not only on the brokerage side, working with investors and real estate clients of yours, but then also as someone who's working on mortgage loans too. And you'll, you'll get into that in a little bit. But first, high level, a little bit about Dave. He is a principal real estate broker at Coastal Real Estate Group. He's based in Newport Beach, California. He's a real estate broker. He has been one since 2003 and has worked in many capacities over the 15 years, one of which was what I was just alluding to earlier. His area of expertise is residential real estate in Orange County, California. And you can say hi to him in his group at coastalgroupoc.com. With that being said, Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? That sounds great. Uh, appreciate it and looking forward to uh, speaking to your best ever listeners. A little bit about me. I'm a graduate of University of California, Irvine, here in Orange County, 99. Worked in the finance side, as you said, uh, in the beginning. Started in 99, 03, opened my own brokerage through mid-07, when it looked like things were going to get a little hairy. I uh, had... Uh, about 70, built it up to about 75 employees and doing about 100 million a month in loans. And in 11, opened my own brokerage. I was initially just flipping houses for myself uh, and investing for myself, which turns into friends and family and then a full-fledged brokerage in 11. One of the nice things that I had was when I was doing loans was I looked at thousands of appraisals. Every loan that came across my desk, I had to review all of them and review appraisals. So it gave me a great look at value in any neighborhood. So that's that's been one of the strengths that it gave me. That you know, one of one of the, the nice things about reviewing tons of appraisals was being able to spot value anywhere. So that's a little bit about me. Can you elaborate on that? I I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more cuz I too want to be able to spot value anywhere. <laughs> sure. So, uh, most realtors and I think investors alike have a harder time finding comps and you really rely on an appraiser to really tell you your true value. Things like um, as far as it being able to spot value, avoid busy streets, zone in on just the neighborhood, put the neighborhood before I'm sure you a lot of the best ever, ever listeners have bought real estate and looked at an appraisal. When you look at the comparables, you look at what items they're adjusting on. As an example, view or busy street or busy street being a big one. Busy street, uh, uh, buyers hate buying on a, a house on a busy street. It really affects value more than you would think. So personally, I tell my clients never to buy a house on a busy street, nor do, nor would I, strictly for that reason, because it really does affect value. And that's something that appraisers don't often account for as well. Mm. That's a good example. When you were doing loans, I mean, you were, uh, before you started your real estate brokerage, you were doing $100 million worth of loans. What did you learn from that experience? What did I <laughs> a lot? Uh, many about running a business and, and how to stay lean, but um, from the real estate side of things, and is um, equity can appreciate very very quickly, but you should never buy based on your equity, just on the equity potential. You should be buying, especially if it's investment. You must cash flow positive, unless you're prepared to ride potentially a rough rough storm. Uh, I speak from experience there where I've had some negative cash flowing properties and I've watched others try to finance negative cash flowing properties and it's just a, a stinker straight straight through. I mean, it is no good. So what I learned 
for my investing and, and any of my clients that are buying investment. It's great to look at the long-term potential growth for equity, but um, you need to be cash flowing positive always. That is a, that is a big deal. And, and in 05, 06, 07, a lot of people were okay to be cash flowing negative, tremendous amounts because they were banking on the equity going up and you, you can't do that. Mm. With the properties that you've had over the years or and or currently have, what's been the best purchase? And then then I've got an opposite question for you that I imagine you can guess where that's headed. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Best purchase, myself or my clients, what I try to do is I try to zone in on a neighborhood. Uh, location, 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 all of that, whether it's schools or maybe you wanted a neighborhood with walkability where you could walk to the grocery store and everything. Or, or maybe it's like here we have Disneyland in Orange County. Maybe you want to be within five miles of Disneyland so you can use it as a rental. Whatever it is, zone in on that neighborhood and then start to look for houses that have been on the market for over 30 days. This isn't a big secret. You know, that just look for someone that's been on a long time and even look above your price range. Because many times those homes are priced wrong. And if you see a home sitting for 30 days, now you can start to wheel and deal. I mean, here in Southern California, this is a very competitive seller's market. So if you want to acquire property and you want to get a deal, you got to find something that, that uh, isn't getting jumped on by 15, 20 offers. And that's my best deals have come from finding, as an example, property I just put it just closed uh, last week. Listed for eight fifty. Client's budget was seven seventy five at the top. That we listed at eight fifty. Had been on the market for like seventy eighty days. We came in at seven sixty five. Ended up closing escrow at seven eighty. In a competitive market where things are going over list, we got a property you know seventy grand under list in the neighborhood they wanted. But they wouldn't have seen it because it was priced at eight fifty and it was above their budget. So that would be a good story to me getting a property under the list value doesn't mean anything. It's more about what the actual value is because I could have listed that property for $3 billion, right? Totally. So, so what was that property actually worth? I think you, an appraiser could do it with his eyes closed at 820. Awesome. 815, 820. Okay. But it got no attention because it was priced wrong. I think had they initially priced it at 799, they would have gotten 815, 820. But once it's got that time on market, it's like tainted in a lot of buyers' eyes, and the offers get worse So the longer they're on market. And selling a home stinks. Nobody wants to have strangers rolling through their house all the time. If you find something that's been on for a long time, seller could just have had enough. That's why I look for long days on market. Do you personally purchase properties? I do. Okay, I do. so let's talk about one of the properties that you've personally purchased that had negative cash flow. Talk to us about those numbers. Mm. So uh, well, let's go back to one of the to probably the worst one I can think of. I love it. <laughs> I uh, so during I bought out of state. That was part of an investment group, and normally I want to know my pro. Now again, we learn from our mistakes. I don't buy out of state. I, I bought uh, a property in Florida that was in uh, Port St. Lucie. It was in a go zone, so it had been affected by hurricanes. There are all kinds of great tax breaks. Bought it new construction. Uh, but it was going to cash flow negative. It was only like two hundred and thirty thousand, but it was uh, it was going to cash flow negative out of the gates at like seven eight hundred dollars, and it was in this hurricane zone, so the insurance was was high. The windstorm insurance was high, and I think at the end of the day, it was cash flowing negative. 
let's say $800 a month, which wasn't a big deal because it was pre-construction and things were appreciating so fast. And I mean, I think I bought it, as I said, 230 before everything tumbled down to the ground. I think it was probably worth homes were selling similar 350 to 370. At the end of the day, I sold it for 90,000. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> how, how long did you have it? Oh, I kept it till probably 2012 when I finally just said I had had enough. I mean, it was a hell of a write-off, but uh, <laughs> not my best investment for sure. You mentioned knowing your market, one, and then you mentioned something earlier where you don't buy negative cash flowing properties, number two. Any other lessons that you took away from that? Be prepared to be in for the long haul. That's it. I like when I have I have investors that look around and they want to know what they think it'll appreciate next year. And my my honest answer to them is, I don't know. Nobody knows. You don't buy real estate unless you are flipping, legitimately flipping this house. You don't buy real estate for a year or two. You need to buy it with a longer outlook. And if you happen to get a window where all of a sudden things have gone your way and you can sell it in shorter term and make a great profit, awesome. But be prepared to be in for eight to ten years. And you're going to be okay as long as you purchase with a little bit longer outlook. That, that was a big lesson I learned. What type of properties do you have? All single family, all, uh, sing all rentals. Um, I still have three in the Houston market that I've just held on to. And uh, I flipped a couple uh, over the last couple of years, but that was it, little ones. Uh, and now I have, you know, obviously my primary residence. And my primary residence was a massive, massive fixer, should have... I mean, right bumping into should have been condemned in a fabulous neighborhood that had been on the market for way too long. That was priced incorrectly that we got a great deal on. So that's that's my current project. The properties you have in Houston, how much did you buy them for? And how long have you had them and what do you think they're worth now? I bought them for 130, all three of them, uh, each 130, 130, 140. I think they're probably worth 150 to 170 now. But... I've had them since 2002, 2003, and you know, they kind of set them and forget them. They do cash flow positive now. They were cash flowing negative a few hundred bucks, but finally rents caught up. And I'm, I'm halfway through my loans. So That's great. You know, I'm a young guy. I'm 39 and in uh, 15 years-ish, I got three paid off properties. And yeah. uh, I like that. I, I like that too. That's nice. That is a set it up and forget it about it. Did you purchase them with a 20%, 25% down loan? What type of financing did you get? So I did my first one 20% down, 30-year fixed, just you know, standard, good way to do it. My next two I did like interest only, trying to get them to cash flow positive, and then I ended up just refinancing those into 30-year fix at a later date because I, they were going to adjust and they, I wanted these to be long-term investments. So put them all in 30-year fix. The one that, if you were to ask something else I learned is that I learned a little something about my myself during the, the crash was my risk tolerance wasn't quite as high as I thought it was. You know, So now I'm a little bit more conservative in my investing. Mm. What bank are you using for those 30-year fix on the investment properties? Uh, they're City Mortgage, I believe. City Mortgage? But they, they, have, been, they have been sold and resold you know, four or five times. Ultimately, they're conforming loans, so they could be anywhere. Okay, got it. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Um, know your neighborhood. Uh, buy based on school. If you're looking at res purely residential, schools are super important. Um, 
that's a huge way that my clients search now is based on school. How do you search? What do you look for specifically? Say I'll have a client and, and they'll mention a city here. Say they want Costa Mesa or Huntington Beach or Newport Beach, one of the cities around there. And in some of those areas, some parts of Costa Mesa, the schools are terrible. So once they realize that, I know the districts. And they can, I always tell my clients they can look at ratings of schools on like education.com or rateschools.com. But ultimately, I know what the school ratings are. And I look for anything 8 out of 10 and above. It's on a bell curve, so there's very few 10s. But anything eight is real eight and above is a, is a good school. It's got good API scores, and that's important to especially single family buyers because a lot of times those are families. That's a big deal, and that can affect your property value considerably. So uh, schools are important, um, and then neighborhood. I mean, I, I look for neighborhood for me. As I said, when I just bought my place, it was priced incorrectly in the the neighborhood that I was waiting for, priced wrong. And I was looking for <laughs> I was looking for a big fixer, so that that worked. A couple follow up questions. You said sure. education.com and greatschools.com. You look for an eight and above for anybody who is looking at a market's not where they live, so they're not as familiar with the school and the mascot and the football team and all of that, and they are doing online research. Would you recommend that that's a rule of thumb you can use on those two websites to get an eight and above? Yeah, yeah, I, I would. And, and the other thing you can do is sometimes you can't trust what school the agent lists it as because MLS is ultimately just a database and it's only as good as the information provided. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, there's a ton of agents that have no idea what they're doing. So always, always check the school. You can go to the district website for whatever school it is and look at the boundary lines. Look at the maps. So you make sure your house is in that zone. Many times is it wrong. That's a great tip. And on the other follow-up question I have that you mentioned, you said you were waiting for a property in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So you had targeted a neighborhood and you were just waiting for this one property, which I'd say, based on my experience, a lot of people don't do, but I think they should because then you can really hone in on the exact type of property in the area and you, you mitigate your risk. Why were you waiting on this one neighborhood? And if there were other opportunities, would you have bought those instead of holding out on this one neighborhood? Yes, an opportunity was an opportunity. I wasn't emotionally attached. However, my wish list was I wanted land. My wife and I uh, work a lot with dog rescue. So we wanted land to be able to have room for dogs. We wanted great schools because we got a toddler and another one on the way. So uh, those two things were important. And then based on what I've seen, when I mean, I go in 50 houses a week, maybe more. I knew the neighborhood was undervalued. You couldn't get anything like this in the rest of Orange County. And just nobody had noticed. I mean, that, that was it was as simple as that. It was kind of out of the way. And it was 10 minutes from the beach. So it was kind of a unique find. So I was waiting on it. And to be fair, I bid at three other places over the prior four months before I got this one. My insulting offers were too insulting on the other ones. Hmm. <laughs> Somebody else made a better one. Got it. You said it was not priced right. What was it priced at? And what did you think it should be priced at based on the condition it was in? I think I got it priced honestly where about where it should have been. But it was priced at eight fifty. dollars It had sat there for three months. Then they dropped it to seven ninety nine and sat there for another four months. I came in at six six five, 
and I was competing against a flipper who stopped at seven and I went to 705. And I felt like because of the condition it was in, that was an accurate bid. I mean, I had to rip the roof off. It had, you know, $20,000 in termite damage and, and uh, it, it, it needed everything. It really needed to be gutted. So at the end of the day, it will probably comp out, you know, near 1-1. Even, even at that time, it probably would have been 1-1-1, but it was in terrible condition. So I, to answer your question, I think I got it at fair market value. But I think had they priced it at six ninety nine, it would have gone for seven fifty. Pricing makes such a big difference. From your different ventures, you've been a mortgage broker, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're a real estate broker. You're an investor in single family homes. What's been the most profitable for you in terms of your return on time? In terms of my business ventures or in terms of my investments? Let's do both. So business ventures, return on time. It's a really good question. Return on time. I think um, real estate as a real estate broker, I mean, sometimes I can spend 10 hours with a client from start to finish, get them a house and get them done. And if it's a seven, eight hundred thousand dollar house, which is probably my average, and I got one listed for one five right now, those are big ticket items. So those can be very, very profitable. But my time investment was years past getting to this point and getting the client base. So right now they're very profitable, but in the beginning I worked a whole bunch and didn't get paid a lot. So, you know, I, I kind of built into it, but now that's definitely the most profitable is, is doing the real estate transactions and also the most fulfilling. I love it. And then, um, as far as pro- most invest, uh, I did a few flips in like Oh five and Oh six for investments. That worked out great, but the the key with that is timing and and in in really timing in the market too. Right now is not a great time. And here in Southern California, in, in the Orange County market, it's tough to flip a house right now with the price points where they're at. In 2011, 12, 13 was a great time, and you really couldn't miss unless you were really bad at it. So those can be great things, but but that's very very market driven, mm-hmm. and you got to know what you're doing. Agree. And that's why we've got guests like you on the show. So you can educate us so that we know what we're doing. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. Fire up. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. My friend Michael Blanc has an ebook that you'll want to download. It's called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your Next Apartment Building. If you're interested in getting started with apartment buildings, but don't have the cash or credit to do it yourself, then this ebook's for you and it's free. Text the word SECRET, S-E-C-R-E-T, to the number 38470. That's SECRET, and text it to 38470. Best ever deal you've done? Uh, Best ever deal I've done. Uh, Hang on. (laughs) Uh, Best ever deal I've done. Probably my my uh, my own house. That was a good one. Yeah, you went through the numbers on that one already. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book, book probably uh, probably Big Short. Lived it, loved it. <laughs> it was it was very interesting. Is that the that's from the movie too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, they made a movie. But the, the book, I actually haven't seen the movie yet. I plan to. The book was great though. It was really interesting. And and uh, here in Irvine, it was like the nexus for mortgage companies. Mm. We watched a lot of companies, you know, thousand person companies go down in in a weekend and disappear. And that was uh, very interesting to read. When it all went down in 2008, 2009, how were you making money? <laughs> Scratching and clawing. 
Uh, I mean, I was still doing mortgage. There was still mortgage to be done. People needed to refinance. There weren't a lot of purchase business, but I, I closed in mid-07. I closed my loan business because I, I saw the writing on the wall that this looked terrible. The lenders were, everything had changed. The market, the whole landscape had changed. The one that sticks out in my mind was New Century Mortgage. They had this 12-story big building filled the whole thing. And over a weekend, their stock went from, gosh, I don't even remember, 60, 70 to, to nothing. They halted trading on it through the weekend. And mm. thousands of people lost their jobs over the weekend. So that was that to the big short kind of that to that. It was, it was very scary and interesting to watch and frightening, you know? So I made money just uh, doing mortgages here and there, doing a little bit of real estate, just kind of made do. It wasn't a fun time financially. Were your properties in Houston positive cash flow at that they point? Were, they were neutral to negative a couple hundred bucks to where mm. they were fine. I had a big loser here that that uh, that stuck. I was flipping at the wrong time. I bought in 06 to, on a big flip. Uh, and I didn't let go fast enough. And how where'd you end up with that? Where'd you net out? Oh, Let's see, I was probably into it for seven, and at the end of the day, I sold it for like six, but I had it listed for eight, and I could have sold it for seven and a quarter and just cut my losses and been good, but I didn't see how badly the market was changing. And another thing I learned from that is when something's going, if, if something looks like it's going south, cut your losses, get up fast. I did that on one in Vegas, on one of those high-rise condos, mm-hmm. right as things were turning. I priced it 200000 below my neighbors. They hated me, but I sold it. They didn't. They all got hosed. You just had to get out. We had to run for the exit. So yep. next time I'd run. <laughs> What's the best ever personal growth experience? What did you learn from it? Building my my, uh, my mortgage company was, was really a very fulfilling uh, and um, – I got my I got my bachelor's from University of California Irvine, which is a great school. I didn't get my master's, but I felt like running that business, I made every mistake possible. And you just do that by trial. I learned by trial and error, and it was a very good learning experience business-wise, and also a, you know fulfilling as a, as a human being and an entrepreneur to to build something and provide jobs and and teach people. And you know, I brought a lot of students from UCI into the business, and it was uh, it was very very fulfilling. It was a fun time. Best ever way you like to give back? Dog rescue. So uh, my wife and I are very active with uh, a rescue here in Orange County. We have two dogs of our own. Plus, we have one to two foster dogs at any given time and um, provide homes for them until they get adopted, which is sometimes a week or sometimes. Like we got one right now that we've got for like four months. And uh, it's there is such a need out there. My wife turned me on to this a, a good four or five years ago, and, and since then, this has been a very fulfilling thing. That, and in fact, if I get anyone who mentions my mentions the dog rescue, I care dog rescue. I donate ten percent of my proceeds on any transaction to the rescue. Wow, that's awesome. We might have covered it already, but I, I don't want to pass over it in case you've got another good one for us. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Not being okay with letting go if the market's turning. I had a guy in 06, a friend of mine, who told me in mid-06, well, and I had like seven properties at the time, and he tells me, he goes, run for the exits. This is before everything turned. He said, and he, he owned like seven or eight places down on the, the Newport Beach, you know, the peninsula, the, the, the world-famous Newport Beach, Balboa Peninsula. He had like seven houses down there, and 
he was living in one of them and actually sold it and was renting his house that he used to own, renting it back from some stranger. And he tells me, he says, look what I just did, do it. I told him he was out of his mind. <laughs> and he was one of those few guys that saw it. And when I, I, I reached out to him when things were turning and he told me to cut my losses and get out and I didn't listen again, second time. So now I will be much more limber. Should I see something like that? I'll get out of the way quick. Mm. Did he capitalize on the downturn? Was he starting to snatch stuff up? He was buying up? in 2011. Started buying again in 2000. I mean, his timing is impeccable. He is a guy that I listen to very closely now. Mm. <laughs> What's his background? Just a... Um, family did some real estate he has a uh, like a microchip company in orange county and just a bright guy just a guy who sees some big picture stuff not in real estate just happens to be an investor who's it's got good timing now one yeah. of those people that just has good good timing best ever way the best ever listeners can reach you your best ever listeners can reach me on, uh, they can call my office, uh, 949-371-8006. You can find me online at coastalgroupoc.com, and I'd be happy to speak with any of them. You have enlightened us on many different things. Thank you so much, Dave, for being on the show and talking about all the lessons that you've learned and how you're applying them now. I've written down a lot of things as you've talked to myself and the best ever listeners. Some of them, one is to forget about those negative cash flowing properties. Best ever listeners, if you haven't forgotten about them at this point after <laughs> all these episodes then and the market crash, then officially this is when you forget about negative <laughs> cash flowing properties from this point forward. For uh, sure. Two is to analyze and wait for your neighborhood, once you've identified a neighborhood that has opportunity and is undervalued to find an opportunity there. So wait, 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 and then pounce once yes. you see the opportunity and make it happen because there's a, a window of time that there will be that opportunity. Then it's going to get slammed shut, which on another note or on a, a good segue is cut your losses when you do see that window starting to slam shut Make sure that you get out and get the money that you can and then get out and, and go on with something else or be cash heavy. And then the other is something that is very tactical, but I'm glad that you mentioned on the school district stuff is to go to the website and look at the boundary lines on the independent school district website to make sure that your property is within those boundary lines. A lot of times you won't be able to rely on just what the broker is saying or they might conveniently list a very nice school district and it's not in a nice school district area. It's right on the border and you want to go in with eyes wide open on that. So thank you so much for very tactical tips as well as some philosophical and um, some macro level. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. And I hope your best ever listeners really enjoy this. My friend Michael Blanc has an ebook that you'll want to download. It's called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your Next Apartment Building. If you're interested in getting started with apartment buildings but don't have the cash or credit to do it yourself, then this ebook's for you and it's free. Text the word secret, S E C R E T, to the number 38470. That's secret and text it to 38470.